Welcome back to TA1. Everything you wanted to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, the uh, absentee, legendary Randy Erickson. Got no co-host. They're outside in their cages. Uh, there's a chili dog back there chilling out. So um, it's been a little while. Not all totally my fault. I had some people uh, lined up and... and then they fell out of line, and uh, I've been busy. So a lot of shooting, uh, spent a week um, doing the, shooting some of the Trans-South Dakota, which is, was a good time, and then Paulette was doing another ride, and it got busy, and then I spent like, uh, well, you'll hear part of the story um, dealing with a uh, big race in September, that's not in Africa. Anyway, so um, we're back with a, a good one. Uh, Chris Lofgren, Canadian. I'd say one of my favorite Canadians, but I like all Canadians because they're Canadian. Anyway, um, we're back. I've got some, fingers crossed, i got some cool people coming up. I think what we're going to kind of do for the next uh, few weeks and then I'm going to leave, and then we'll do some more, is uh, get to some people, racers from um, the Nordic Island, and we'll spend some time talking with them and uh, finding out all about that race. So sounds really, really hard. So anyway, um, you don't want to listen to me. We all know that. So uh, go fast, take chances. Thanks for listening. Sorry, it's been a while, but uh, here's a good one. So enjoy. Thanks. Bye. Hello. Mr. Chris, how are you? I'm good, Randy. How about yourself? Um, actually, pretty good. Yeah. Being busy. How, how are things out uh, in Dakota? Um, warm, which is good. And we're getting ready for the big rally. The motorcycle rally starts starts this weekend. Okay. So, is it uh, a full weekend event? Well, it's like 10 days. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So we'll have about 600,000 motorcycles here. <laughs> oh, wow. So is it just in like the, the city? Like is it uh, like an event through the state or is it just kind of hovering around the city or what do they do? Well, it's in Sturgis, which is the headquarters, but it, it ends up being the whole everything in the Black Hills is busy all the towns, all the tourist stuff. The, you know, the Department of Transportation has to go in and put in temporary stoplights on the highways, and yeah, it's a. How it's, do they support six hundred thousand people? I mean, is it like I mean, Airbnbs? <laughs> I mean, are people renting out their houses in that? Or? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's been going on for almost seventy-five years, so they got it figured out. But um, sure. yeah, like. Probably half of Sturgis, the locals leave and rent their houses out. Um, <clears throat> you know, the one campground, the Buffalo Chip, I think, you know, 60,000, 80,000 people can camp there. So, oh, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. So they've got enough amenities around that they could support a good number of them. Yep, yep. It's just, uh, you know, don't be in a hurry to go anywhere, anything like that, and it's fine. I, I love the rally. It's, you know, we get a little excitement here. I think I might shoot some motorcycle racing. So nice. What's uh, what's the population of Sturgis? Well, like twenty thousand. 
Okay. So that's, yeah, that's huge. That's yeah. Cool. But I mean, you know, even rapid fill, I mean, everything fills up. You, you know, every once in a while you see some tourists come through and they're like, well, I'm looking for a hotel or a campground. It's like, not, not this week. You're not going to find one. <laughs> No, it, it kind of reminds me. Remember when we were in Casper a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they were talking about all the people coming in over the weekend to, uh, oh, what was it for the? It was for the full eclipse, was it? Or yep. Yep. Eclipse? Yeah. And it kind of got me laughing because you know I remember all these like you know little restaurants were opening up for the first time, and you know you're thinking they're doing this for one event, you know, and that was like half. That was a couple hours, you know, at least yeah. the, you know Sturgis. It's ten days. Yeah. So I uh, took Paulette to the airport today. She's headed out to work in Washington. And there were one pulling in, but there were probably about a dozen semis parked out there full of Harleys. Wow. So all the people that, you know, they ship their Harleys out and they fly in. Yeah. So. Well, that's fun. Yeah. That's kind of cheating. Yeah. 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 Well, depends on where you're coming from, I guess, eh? Yeah. And and do you want to take three days to ride out here or, you know, what do you do? So. No, for sure. Yeah. So has it been been a little bit of a late uh, season? I mean, last year, obviously, you had a couple of different, uh, uh, you know, events, especially with Untamed, um, you know, on the adventure racing side. I mean, I don't even know. Were you out in Oregon? Yeah, I did. Okay, so you had that kind of like, you know, late spring type of thing, but it must feel kind of weird not having anything in the summer. It does. It's, uh, you know, I went to went to C2C in February and then uh, Georgia AR in March. And then, yeah, and, and Oregon was like at the last minute, like 10 days before, figured out okay. I could go. So, um, well, I've, got, I've gotten so used to seeing you out on the, on the race course so, you know, <laughs> in Norway. It was one of those things that I was like, ah, oh, no familiar. You and Greg Diamond, it was like the last couple of races I was used to seeing those two faces. So yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it was a little bit different for us, for sure. It is, yeah. So, yeah, it's been a little quiet. I'm, I'm going to, to uh, Iceland in about three weeks. So. Nice. Is yeah. that uh, just personal? Is it like uh, both? Personal? Okay. So I'm going to go shoot the fire and ice race. Nice running race, and then the day. So I'm going with a friend of mine. The day he flies out, Paul is flying in and rented a van for a week. Oh, so, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. We, we have a couple friends that have. Uh, they're actually going on their honeymoon there this week, and yeah, uh, yeah probably in the last two years, um, I've had a lot more kind of friends and. Um, colleagues kind of head that way and they just love it so uh, I'm sure you will as well yeah it's just, we're, we've been looking at some spots so yeah that's great yeah so it'll be yeah it should be cool and then you know a couple other things in the fall and then then we start all over again right there you go yeah exactly well it's, uh, it'll be interesting I'm sure all of us will be following to see what we could uh, find out in September with Eco I'm sure there probably won't be a lot of information, but, you know, I, I, I mean, with so many teams going over there, I mean, I'm sure things will be leaked out. And, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much information we actually get while they're racing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What's, I, I'm thinking not much because we're not getting any information. Like nobody, theoretically, nobody knows who the teams are. No, exactly. So, I mean, I think a couple things have leaked out, but uh, yeah. no one's really spreading any gossip because, they're, they're tight lips, right? Yeah. So I can't tell the whole story, but I spent about 36 hours last Friday and Saturday getting, um, rounding up not one, 
but two team members for a team, like to the point where they're scanning and emailing documents back and forth. And oh, okay, and, I did a couple of email or uh, Facebook posts looking for American racers, so I figured there's a couple teams that were in a hurry. Yeah, so it was one of those deals that um, the team was all set, and then the uh, uh, country requirements weren't met. They were they were they were two and two, and two Americans oh, and two cool. Canadians, and so. Oh, so that yeah, and so it has to be three and one. Yep, and then we got that figured out. Got to three and one, and then one of the other guys was like had to drop out. It's like. Oh. <laughs> Oh, so it was the same team? Yeah, same team. With oh, yeah. Geez. So, and one of the team, one of the people we got for the team was was um, getting ready to do a hundred mile mountain bike race the next day. So, okay. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. but well, you know, it's, it's uh, good practice. They need all they can get. Yeah, you know, I uh, I always make fun of you know. I kind of I'll watch some of these like build car build shows on TV. And I'm just always like, why don't you guys plan ahead so you're not, you know, sending the car to paint, you know, six hours before it has to be done? And now I'm realizing why, because it's just the way it works out. <laughs> it's always the last yeah, minute. Exactly. I think that's, it seems like for a lot of those reality shows, right, you kind of shake your heads and go, how are you not practicing building fires for a year after this? And then you realize <laughs> there's, you know, not always that easy. Yeah. So. Well, and we found out... Um, in February, when we went out to California for the truck race, we were putting um, the fuel fuel cell back in the truck at four o'clock in the morning and supposed to leave at six. So, yeah, oh, <laughs> we didn't. We didn't leave till about ten. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so how's retirement treating you? Well, it, it, it's coming. It's coming quick. I still got one more race technically ah. ahead of me. So. You know, everyone's been laughing at me when I keep saying that because everyone knows that, you know, no one really stays retired. But, yeah. Uh, I think I've got other priorities coming up in the next, uh, especially in the immediate future. So, yeah. I, you know, I have to be where I'm going to spend my time. And, uh, you know, I, uh, much as I love, you know, adventure racing, I've done it because I've had the time. And, you know, I've been able to, you know, spend some more training with it. But, uh I'm going to be a dad in, you know, maybe 15 weeks. So uh, at 42, it's going to take a lot more energy and uh, a lot more patience and a lot more time. So uh, I don't, you know, I'll still continue to run and bike and do those kind of fun things. I'm yeah. sure just to keep sane, but uh, you know, it's it's these adventure races. It, half of it is is just getting to the to the race itself and training and you know the logistics. It just seems like once you actually get there, you know, it's like ah. Yeah, and then you know, and then you race, and, and then it's another stress, and then you know, and then it's the recovery after. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of liken it to you know some friends that have you know been adventure racing for a number of years, and you know they have young families, and they decide to do you know Ironman, where the training is still tough, and you know they still have to spend a lot of time you know on the saddle ahead of time, and a lot of time running. But then the day comes and it's done, right? It's not mm -hmm. like they have to pack up all these crazy gear bags and logistics bags and then it's done, right? And so yeah. I appreciate why, you know, people end up doing a lot of that for a couple of years as well. So Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I guess does it we'll, we'll see how long this lasts. Yeah. <laughs> does it really make you mad though that you retire and I'm using air quotes 
uh, retire and then um, all the airlines take away the uh, bike handling fees? <laughs> <laughs> that would definitely uh, help on some expenses. Actually, it worked out well because uh, we flew KLM back from uh, Oslo, and uh, Chad and Julie were heading home um, earlier than Vince and I, so they offered very graciously to take our bikes. And uh, the airline actually didn't charge for for any of the four, so wow. uh, we got off. I think going there, going there, we spent about 180 bucks a piece, and coming back, it was free. So uh, we're still waiting for the bill, but I, I'm hoping that's what Delta passed uh, helped through. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's funny how that little thing was such a big deal to a lot of people. I mean, it's not a little deal. That's you know, that's a lot of money you're not having to spend. So. Oh yeah, I mean it's, it's amazing how much it adds up, you know. With, you know, the you know our baggage with all our gear and our food, you know, it's always weighs more than what you need. And yep. uh, I mean, I think I, I think you know, obviously the better teams, you know, they're used to it, so they pack a lot lighter. And you know, I think that the more um, experienced teams, they know what they can get when they go to certain places. But you know, there's some things that you want to always have with you. You know, certain foods that you just don't know you're going to find in you know, or a Sweden when you get there, especially if it's a small little town. So it all adds up. Yeah. I was looking yeah, you know, to go to Iceland, I'm just like, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pay for the two bags. You know, and and not have to sweat it and worry about it. Except then the second bag is a hundred yeah. bucks each way. I'm like all right. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah, nuts. It's like, okay. But then the race uh Sent me an email and said, "Well, we'll have plenty of freeze dried and MREs, which is the only thing they're going to have on the race because it's one of those where the racers have to carry all their food. They're self self sufficient." Um, you know. So, for the entire race, or do they have like drop bags through it? No, the entire race. So, the, you know, the race it's a stage running stage race. So the race, but so the racers got to carry their you know all their clothes and bags and and food, and then the race supplies tents and water. So. Okay. But, yeah, but then oh, when I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't have to take any food with me. That's like, oh, good. I might be able to take all the gear I need. <laughs> well, you, you know what you can do, Randy, is just bring a big bike box and load it up, and uh, you don't even have to pay for it. Huh. Now, <laughs> just, fill it with, just fill it with whatever gear you need, whatever food. Open that sucker up, and they'll never know any different. Now, see, that's... Hmm. Not a bad idea. I have to look at that. <laughs> yeah, so you know what? Everyone's going to start trying to do that. So well, I mean, but it's the same as another. I mean, you're, it's just the same as a check bag. So, I mean, I don't mind paying. I w- I don't. Well, I shouldn't say I don't mind, but I'll pay an extra for an e- fifty bucks for an extra bag because it's easier. But um, yeah. So here's a, here's a good airline story. So I'm flying from Rapid City. To Houston, and in Houston, it's a direct flight, and everything's expensive because we're in a little airport. So, so I get my ticket. I'm talking to James. So I fly down there, and then we fly together. My ticket from Rhapsody to Houston to Iceland round trip was three dollars less than his Houston to Iceland and back. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I hear those stories all the time. Know. Where, you know, someone's got a connector, and it amazes me that that's how it works out. Yeah. So you wonder why the airlines are. I don't think they're hurting anymore, but it makes you wonder about them. So. 
Well, I've, I've got an interesting one. So uh, when I was flying home uh, last week, we uh, we had um, flights back through um, Amsterdam. So Alicia, she actually was there with her family, and she had booked her flight. She was supposed to come home a couple hours earlier than me. It just the flight that she I was on. It was going to be about thirteen hundred dollars more. So we said, okay, that's fine. We'll fly separately. Mm-hmm. So the morning of, we went to the airport to see if I can get on her flight. There are a number of seats available, and it's going to be like $500 more. So we said, you know, forget it. Yeah. So she hops on the flight, goes her way, gets home, you know, seven, eight hours later. And for me, I was flying through Amsterdam, get to Amsterdam. Flight was delayed, delayed, delayed. So I think it was about five hours until they finally canceled it. And then they canceled every other flight in Amsterdam that uh, afternoon and evening because of refueling issues. Wow. So hundreds of planes grounded and, like, thousands stranded. So here I am. You know, I just want to get home after, yeah. you know, a long couple of weeks away. Uh, all my luggage was in, like, different airports. My bike was, you know, somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself. And then I look around and there's all of these families, you know, obviously, you know, on summer vacations and all that. The kids are sleeping on the floor. They actually pulled out cots uh, in the basement of the Amsterdam airport that night so families can go and get some rest. But there's no AC. And the uh, the temperature hit 39.4 Celsius, which was a record for Amsterdam that day. <laughs> and it was just chaos. It, yeah. it was just absolute chaos. So it's one of those things, you know, you, you realize that they have extra money, but they definitely don't go out of their way to uh, accommodate people in situations like this. Yeah, that's true. Do you um, – how long does it take you just to mellow out in a situation like that? And just like, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I just have to kind of look around. and You know, I think it's weird. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, a week before that – you know, there's four of us, you know, on a mountain somewhere with no people anywhere. And I mean, even though we're only out there for seven days and yeah, you know, we're running through some little towns and, you know, we're seeing the TA staff and that, I mean, you're you're so isolated. And then, you know, I spent a a full day in Bergen afterwards and it's a small Norwegian, you know, coastal city, but uh, you know, I I almost felt like coming back to it, you know, I, I just, I couldn't really get used to just all the people and, you know, just the hustle and bustle. And it, it kind of makes you appreciate, you know, just being out there, you know, by yourself and, you know, not having to worry about just this hectic life that most of us live. And, it, and it's funny, like it just kind of brings you back to that. You know, you're sitting in the airport with thousands of people and you're just like, get me out of here. But, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think that's what everyone lives, right? It it, yeah. it takes you to be on a mountain in the middle of nowhere to actually appreciate it and realize, you know, there's something to be said about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think uh, those of us that live on a mountain in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> I think maybe I think maybe I, I handle that, those situations a little easier because I'm not around a lot of people very much. Yeah, so it, uh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we don't have... We don't have any neighbors. It's nice. <laughs> I can. Yeah, and, I, and well, I think I think people don't realize how nice it is until they're able to live that, right? Yeah, I mean, I I was like that. It's like I'm never going to live in the woods, and now you couldn't. I mean, I don't think I could live in town. I don't think I could sleep. <laughs> it's, it's noisy. Well, you look like. Yeah, well, I mean, when you get back and you you know you get the hustle and the bustle. I mean, does it stress you out when you get back into traffic and those kind of things, or do you just kind of you know, getting the fast um, and just kind of let it. You know, have to 
yeah, since since we're small enough, we don't have any traffic. It's a little different, but um, I like I like when I'm gone. There, there's a certain point, um, and I'm not sure. I think it's different, but there's there's sometimes you know when you you head home and you're like, God, I wish I had two more days, and then sometimes it's like, man, I wish I was home two days ago. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So I I like I like the. Uh, I like that. I wish I had two more days. I think because you just it, that's an, that anticipation instead of oh, I'm just waiting, standing around, you know, trying to go home. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. for sure. So, um, I suppose we should talk about adventure racing. <laughs> well, I'm retired. I have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, everybody knows that the biggest part of adventure racing is getting there and starting and. Yeah. So, um, so tell me about your race. Tell me all yeah, the I mean, bad stuff. Tell me all the good stuff. Tell me the stories. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, Stefan. You know, when he was advertising it, you know, he was saying it was going to be epic, and uh, you know, we 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 had a feeling that we were in for a tough race. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, we were a little more excited about was that it was going to be a little bit less of the swim run which he introduced last year Mm -hmm. um you know they had a crazy kayak where they were trying to cross you know the um where was it they're trying to cross between sweden and finland and it was like something like an 80 kilometer paddle and i think the top two teams attempted it but they had to get rescued so you know for a team like us we had no interest in doing something like that we're just not strong enough paddlers so when they talked about you know the mountain biking and you know, the beautiful mountains, you know, we, we knew it was going to be difficult, especially our kind of flat training ground. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think we were excited to see, you know, what, what this kind of new area would have, you know, it's not that much different than, you know, the, the wilderness to our North is just a lot more hilly. So, uh, but I'll tell you, I mean, they delivered it. Um, you know, I was, we were pretty disappointed that there were only nine teams yeah. um, that were registered. I mean, I think there's a lot going on, you know, especially Eco Challenge coming up. There's a lot of good races that are, you know, happening in the next six weeks as well. I know ITER is, you know, in a couple weeks and, you know, Africa is shortly after yeah. that. You know, Croatia has a race coming up. So there's a lot of different options. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, we, we felt bad. You know, you get there and you see how much time and energy and you see how many you know, volunteers and race staff and camera crews are there. You know, they definitely didn't, you know, shortchange us at all. I mean, they still gave us the full experience, but, you know, you just kind of feel bad yep. for the organizers when you get up there and there's there's nine teams, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, good on Swedish, you know, armed forces. I mean, they, they crushed the course and, you know, Team Hamilton did very well. And, you know, I just, you know, you know there's a lot of good European teams. I think there's actually a... European championships around the same time as well. So, you know, it made it, made it tough to get the teams that they wanted. But, um, you know, maybe it was, I, I know, I mean, you kept saying, I mean, a seven-day race, it's it's a lot different than a three-, four-day race. And, you know, even though we were the, you know, one of two North American teams, you know, we thought that we could, you know, complete it, you know, within five five and a half days and uh you know we kept saying like how did it go from 44 hours to 144 hours it's like you know next thing you know 100 hours passed and we have no idea you know where it went and uh it was slow for us i mean our trekking was painfully slow 
Murphy got bashed up pretty early on. And, uh, you know, we made a decision as a team. You know, we could. We, I mean, we had options to to uh, to pull out of the race just because we didn't want to do any further damage to our feet. But, um, you know, we decided that it was just about us and, and finishing the course, so we would do it as slow and painfully slow as we as, it, as we could. And, um, you know, we, we finished, but uh, like I said, we, we, were, <laughs> we were hurting units by the end. It looked like we were like the, the walking dead. <laughs> Going through all suns uh, at the very end. I mean, we were waterlogged. You know, we were moving more. I mean, you know, when you think about a, a one-kilometer walk through town, you know, that should take someone ten, twelve minutes. Yeah. You know, and it probably took us thirty minutes. You know, it was, and that and that was flat ground. I mean, you know, there are sections of that race where we thought, oh, it's just a twenty-five kilometer track. You know, fifteen yeah. hours later, we're still finishing it. So. Uh, <laughs> Everything was longer than what we expected, and uh, you know the biking was great. The scenery was fantastic, but it was it was freaking tough. It was yeah. really tough. How um, how long into the race did you guys like realize that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're we're gonna be here for a while. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where you look at time estimates, and I think we've kind of learned the hard way that the time estimates that the race director give you are on fresh bodies so even on like leg nine when they're saying you know eight to 14 hours that's fresh team so yeah. you know we're looking at oh it's going to take us you know 11 or 12 hours or we should really be predicting more on the, the longer side you know 12 14 hours and uh leg four was a monster mountain bike it was 227 kilometers and I think it was just under 5,000 meters of elevation gain so mm-hmm. you know that was you know kind of the crux of the race after a big trek before that. And we came off the track feeling okay. And then the bike, um, we had at least 25 kilometers of hike a bike. And that was on, you know, minimal trails, you know, pretty rocky. And, you know, pushing your bikes for, you know, 10% of the leg, you know, you can't imagine. We're not going very fast. And our feet are getting chewed up. And at that point, we're like, this is going to take us a lot longer. And, you know, you look at those longer bike legs. I think about Wyoming a couple of years ago when we had a, a massive bike leg for the world champs. And, you know, you're still traveling at 20, 25 kilometers an hour if you're working well together. You know, there's some slow sections. But, yeah. you know, when you get a 25K section and you're walking your bike at three kilometers an hour, um, that section is going to take a hell of a lot longer. So I think that's when we had to kind of reevaluate you know, what our goals were and, uh, you know, how would we would approach the treks? Cause I mean, the treks after that, the ascents actually weren't an issue. It was the descents that were just killing us. Mm. Just technical, rocky, rough kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was just, you know, shin splints, mm-hmm. you know, the, the feet were a fact. Two of our team members had, you know, feet issues just because of the bike shoes from the previous leg. And, uh, yeah, just those technical descents were just kind of killing us. I mean, the Australian team, um, we were kind of uh, with them for a couple legs. And it's funny because, you know, we kind of pass them on the on the uphills. And you'd be like, hey, and then the flats, we'd all be kind of even. And then the downhills, they'd move past us like we were going backwards. So uh, that seemed to kind of be the name of the game. And it's not like we got any faster as the time went on. Yeah, yeah. So was it just, I mean, was it, I don't want to say was it not 
was it too technical for adventure racing? But was it because I mean that's just what it is. But I mean, you know, do you think it was just a little bit too much of that hike a bike? I, I think those long sections they just start to add up. Yeah. You know, I mean, we I think we had two treks over you know fifty five kilometers, and they were surrounded. You know, even though you know we're not a great paddling team. The paddles are nice because it breaks up the race, yeah. right? You get off your feet, you get off your, you know, your saddle, and all of the paddling was kind of like the middle towards the end. So, you know, it's yeah, we appreciated it once we got it, but it was almost a little bit too late to kind of help us out. And uh, you know, the hyper bike, you know, I remember thinking it's. It's like, you know, I better be careful what I say, but I'm like, if I ever have to do more than five kilometers of hike a bike, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing it. I mean, I think hike a bikes are a necessary evil for yeah. a lot of people. You know, they, they have to join sections together. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are times where, you know, we're thinking, yeah, maybe out of the 25 kilometers that we hike a bike did, maybe if we were a little bit better technical riders, we could have ridden five kilometers more of it. But that's still 20k of walking our bikes. That yeah. you know, it's, it's it it adds up. And yeah. uh, and you know, and for the the technical treks, I mean, I think those are fine because people are always used to having to, you know, do you know off the track. You know, people prepare differently for that. And we were pretty lucky at one point. We were supposed to have our pack rafts on us for a long 51 kilometer trek, and. Uh, they actually ended up ended up canceling that portion of the pack raft, which meant we didn't have to carry our paddle gear. So we were thankful that it was still fifty one k extra of, of trekking. Yeah, I mean that can that's. I mean I don't know how what a race director does, but you know, having to carry that pack rafting, even though I realize pack is in the name of it, you know, ten ten k that's enough to carry that crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I agree. Um, but then it's like, what do you do? I mean, you, you got to get from A to B, right? Sometimes. Yeah, sure. And I mean, that was the thing. I mean, this was a point to point race. I mean, you started in the east and you, you know, you worked your way almost 700 kilometers to the west, you know, and if you couldn't keep up, then you're left behind. So it's not like there were short, like short course options where, you know, maybe in favor of doing a, a trekking section, you were on the bike. I think a couple of the, the teams um, that had to be short course, they just, you know, they ended up biking more than they trekked. But, you know, they were yeah. still covering the same distance. It's not like they had shortcuts. Yeah. So, which, uh, I mean, that's, it's nice. I, I like that style of race, a point to point like that. But, um, yeah, it seems like it, it would be nice to have options for your, uh, you know, middle backpack teams. So, yeah, no, for sure. And so you know, it's, it's interesting because before yeah. the race, we noticed that one team, uh, one of their team members actually had flats, uh, pedals, and we kind of thought, oh man, who's going to be having flat pedals for a 227 kilometer bike? But I'll tell you, <laughs> if, if that person who was wearing regular running shoes for that 25K, I bet they were loud. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, shooting the Trans South Dakota race last, I don't know. I don't know, last week sometime, it's kind of a blur. It, um, one of the top riders, I don't know how much of the race he rode, but a lot of it in, in flip-flops. Really? Yeah. He, I mean, he had cycling shoes, and he'd right. use those, but then, like, you know, he was on the rails to trail section, and he'd take his shoes off and put the flip-flops on. And, um, 
you know, that's one way to save your feet, but yeah, it, it sure looks funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I trust myself with flip flops. Yeah, yeah, I'd be. I couldn't do it. Okay, I'm not. I'm not riding a bike anymore. So, <laughs> kind of a moot point. So, um, what was? I mean, how how did you guys handle, or what were your, you know, mental state when you're out there doing, you know, you're out there for a long time and you got a long time to go. How do you how do you handle that? I mean, I think we were pretty lucky in the sense that. There was really never a time where all four of us were down. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's the great thing about the sport, you know, teams of four. You know, it seems like, you know, no one's ever always up at the same time in these longer races. Yeah. But, you know, you usually have, you know, two people kind of up on a high. You know, they've been obviously, you know, feeding themselves and fueling themselves. And then you've got two that are kind of struggling a little bit. and You know, they're bonking. So, you know, I, it just seemed like, you know, for the course of the race, it was like that constant – up and downs between our the four of us, you know, two of us would be up, two would be down, three would be up, one would be down, one would be up, three would be down, and and I think it would be because, you know, you, you'd see it happening and then you'd be like, okay, I want I want to have the energy that person does, so what I, what do I need to do? I got to eat more, you know. I mean, I think yeah. I told you a message. I I I'm not a Red Bull fan, yeah. but I have more Red Bulls, you know, than <laughs> I definitely would care to admit. But I mean, you get to a point where you're like. Hey, we've been going for you know 150 hours. I just need something else, you know. And the next yeah. thing you know, you're having your second Red Bull in two hours, and it's it's helping, but it's not really, you know, it's helping stay alert, but it's not helping with your power. Yeah. So uh, I think for us, you know, it's just trying to, you know, kind of step back and appreciate, you know, why we're doing this. You know, we paid to do this. You know, there's times when you're kind of miserable and, you know, you just want to complain about how your feet are. And then you realize every other team's struggling at the same points. You know, they might have gone through their hours before or, you know, hours later. But, you know, we we kind of have to accept the fact that, you know, we signed up for this. And uh, I I know I had a couple moments out there where I was feeling sorry for myself. I always kind of call my, like, log terms where I throw a little tantrum and, you know, question my sanity and, you know, and then all of a sudden you come up to a high point and you look out and you think, you know, 99% of the world's never going to see this. And uh, that's why we do it. And, you know, you ride that wave for a little while and, you know, we're singing the horrible karaoke song, <laughs> those kind of things. I'm sure people that would pass us on the trail would think we're just absolutely crazy. But, uh, you know, you kind of do whatever you can to just kind of keep each other motivated and, you know, you you try to talk about things that are positive, you know, whether it's their families or, you know, things that, uh, you know, keep people moving. So I think it's just, I mean, it's so much more about that than it is about the physical part. I mean, if you keep moving, you'll eventually finish. But if mentally you're done, then you can't, you know, how are you going to continue on? So yeah. it's, that's the battle. Yeah. Did Have you guys all raced together before? Uh, yes. So... Okay. We've done um, Bob Miller, um, a pretty experienced uh, adventure racer. He uh, he raced with Technu for a number of years. Yeah. Um, he organizes a good uh, overnight race called the Wilderness Traverse, mm-hmm. and uh, we've done that a few times. And then three of us were done team last year. Julie wasn't, and then Julie and I raced in Wyoming a couple years ago with the um, Storm team there. So you know, d- different <laughs> different kind of combinations of our us yeah. together. So, do you so because um, the uh, 
The point being, do you guys talk about when you're up and when you're down with each other? Or do you just know and, and uh, you know, just kind of go with the vibe? Well, I mean, I'm definitely the talkative one on the team. My three teammates. I mean, oh, sure you mean Chad's talk. not the talkative one? <laughs> yeah, Chad and Vince, their nicknames are Chit and Chat. So, uh, they, uh, they're pretty quiet out there. I mean, funny enough, Chad actually probably is second most talkative. You know, when yeah. he's feeling okay, you know, he likes to carry on a conversation, you know. But, it, you know, a lot of times he's focused on the maps as well. Yeah. Um, you know, Julie, I mean, it. You could tell when she's feeling good because she she tends to chat a little bit more. You know that it was cute. The one the one really big climb that we had uh, on the third bike, um, she was just sleep monsters. It was like early morning, I and mean, we never really saw any you know actual you know um, uh, darkness. Yeah. Well, the twilight for hours would just play you know kind of havoc on our minds a little bit. So Julie was kind of struggling to stay awake while we were on the bikes. Couldn't news is it wasn't busy on the roads the bad news is we had all this climbing and she actually um, said good morning to every single thing that she passed on the side <laughs> of the road like from rocks to you know to trees to curbs you know you and she said it was the only thing that she could do to kind of stay awake so um you know and then vince you know he's pretty quiet as well and i think you know i think everyone kind of has their own kind of moments of, of how they deal with it for me i'm you know i'm not a Vocal. It's like here it comes, you know. I'm gonna bonk, you know. I, I, you know, someone punch me in the face, wake me up, kind of thing. And whereas everyone else tends to be a little bit more quiet about it. Yeah, interesting. <clears throat> so you you just touched on it, but what is it like being out there when it never really gets dark? Did you do you have any sense of time passing like that? Uh, it was completely different than what we expected. I mean, I think it's. Um, you know, as much as you can do more, you know, you can see more, you don't have to worry about the headlamps and all that, you know, and I don't speak for my teammates because I think a couple of them liked it more than me, but I kind of like the overnights when you actually have that sun coming up to kind of start a new day. I find mm-hmm. it kind of gives you new energy yeah. where, I mean, you still have the sun coming up, but, you know, at one point I've got these, these silly transition glasses and I'm thinking to myself, like, it's it's dark, but it's been dark like this kind of low light for like 12 hours. And then Julie reminded me it's because my transition glasses never actually transitioned back to clear again. So <laughs> well, here I am walking in darkness, but it's actually not that dark. Okay. Uh, so I think, you know, it's for, for sleep, it doesn't really make a difference. You know, yeah. if you get more tired, you can kind of sleep anywhere. But uh, I don't know. I, I like that kind of reset at the end of the day to kind of help start you again. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was wondering because, you know, a lot of you people are so happy when you see the sun after a dark night. So you yeah, you, you no, just don't sure. get that, do you? No, no. exactly. And I mean, I, I think there's pros and cons to it yeah. either way. I think for navigation, it's probably easier. Uh, but for sleep strategy and just kind of like overall mental state, it's, it's nice to have that defined, you know, sunrise. Yeah. So... What kind of when it doesn't get dark like that, does it change your sleep strategy? Because because you're not going to say, "Well, we're going to sleep when it's dark." I mean, I think in this case, um, our strategy was just to try to. I mean, typically we've tried to sleep outside of the TAs just mm-hmm. because of how busy they were. Um, in this case, because there were only nine teams and we had access to our bike boxes quite often, we just 
threw a sleeping bag in there in our door was, you know, whether it's an outhouse or a, you know, a picnic table or, or whatever it might be, we'll just kind of sleep wherever the TA is as opposed to sleep on the course if it's dark. Um, you know, and a couple of times we pull over to the side of the road for 15 minutes, you know, in kind of a twilight, and, you know, just kind of rested our eyes. But, uh, I mean, I think it actually helps that it wasn't ever dark. Like, I think, you know, when it's dark and you've got those sleep monsters, yeah. you definitely want to sleep more, except the paddle. The paddle, I mean, we found that tough. We definitely had some teammates falling asleep on the paddle. It was pretty funny. We kind of likened it to weekend at Bernie's where we had two <laughs> teammates on the front of boats, you know, trying to stay awake, but really not doing very well. At yeah. That. And I think that's the, the kind of half, you know, twilight, half darkness that kind of plays on your mind a bit. Oh. <clears throat> I don't know if I, excuse me, if I've ever asked anybody this, but do you, do you get, used to not sleeping or or taking those little power naps cuz cuz you know it's is, I, is I actually here's a better question is it the sleepy or is it you just so tired i think sometimes you just need 15 minutes yeah. i mean and it's it's so hard to explain to anyone who's never mm-hmm. um you know like my family and friends are like how did you yeah. race you know 153 hours and only 6 7 hours of sleep and it's so hard to explain how you can do it, but I think you know you just you're just almost happy to get those one two hour sleeps when you do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for us, we probably should have slept a little bit more <clears throat> and maybe spent a little bit less time, you know, in TAs. I mean, just because our trek sections were so much longer than we anticipated, you know, we knew we didn't have a lot of time to be able to kind of recuperate, but. Um, I think, you know, for sleeping, it's, it's amazing how, yeah, you need the sleep, but you, you almost need the energy from the food just as much. So, you know, we get into a transition. It's like, okay, well, what's more important, that we warm up, eat, and then move on, or we sleep? And, you know, a number of times we just opted for, you know, eating and warming up and then and then moving on. And, uh, I mean, the, and it's I find it's very rare that all four people are – okay to sleep at the same time, especially yeah. early in the race. Later on in the race, people can sleep anywhere. <laughs> but like in the first 48, 48 hours, I'd say, especially, you know, you might have one or two tired teammates, but then the other two are still feeling okay, and it's tough to stop at that point. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Um, let me ask you if this is a little bit a fair analogy. Like when you've been driving all day and you pull over and you take that 15-minute nap in the car – and then go again. Is that is is that what fifteen minutes does during the I think race? that's exactly what it is. Or you know, when people liken it to like day naps, you know, it's yeah. like you know, as you get older, people are like I just need a quick nap, yep. right? <laughs> and, I, and I think that it, you could sleep too long too. Right? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're sleeping for three hours, you're probably not doing this because yeah. then you just get more tired from it. So yeah. I think those power naps are are crucial. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm pretty uh, guilty of uh, setting my phone for 15 minutes pretty regularly during the middle of the day. It sure seems to help. (laughs) Yeah, I read a book uh, pretty recently, and they said that more people should do that. But instead, you know, they'll go on social media and they'll waste, you know, the same amount of time, 45 minutes or half an hour, just kind of – Browsing social feeds that really have no importance when yeah. they could have nap for thirty minutes and, and you know and give them a little recharge. So yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. Um, what was the weather like? Was 
warm, hot, cold, miserable? Uh, it started cold, um, you know, as we kind of moved from the east to the west. I mean, we had some pretty cold rain. I mean, uh, we were thankful that we packed some extra Gore-Tex and, you know, some extra warm layers. Um, the water temperatures were, I mean, a, a lot of it's glacier-fed rivers and lakes. Yeah. You know, we're coming off, you know, fjords and, you know, some pretty high you know, snow-capped mountains. So uh, it, it was cold. Um, you know, I think we we were prepared for it. I mean, that's the nice thing about being Canadian. You know, we've got lots of warm clothing. Um, but but it's, it's more the variables. Like, it's, it's always the one of those things where, you know, you're climbing. You're never really cold when you're climbing. And then you get to the top, and then it's cool. And then you stop for five minutes, and then you're freezing. And then you descend, and you're cold. You know, it's like it's it's that kind of constant – you know, just reminding yourself, okay, you're cold right now, but in a couple minutes you're going to be warm again. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's finding the right layering, I'm sure. Yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, because you talked about warming up in the, in the TAs, but it, it was kind of the weather where you could warm up. Yeah, I think it was the, the warm-ups that we needed were really coming off the water. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we had, you know, Chad had a pretty expensive dry suit, which I think worked wonders, but I mean, you know, this gear starts getting pretty expensive. So, yeah. you know, we, a couple of us tried to go a little bit cheaper with, you know, I mean, when I say cheaper, we're talking still $500, you know, wet dry suits. But, yeah. uh, you know, if you get that dry suit wet, you know, on one leg and you got to use it again, and you know, 12 hours later, that thing's yeah. not drying out your bit. No. So I think those are the kind of things that, uh, you know, anything else, if you're wearing it and it's sunny, it's going to dry out. Wetsuits, on the other hand, not the case. Not going to do it. <laughs> so, um, we're, are you, are you satisfied with your race? Yeah, I think we are. I mean, I definitely am. I mean, like I said, early on, we, we, we know that the European teams are, you know, a whole, different kind of level of AR racers. Um, yeah. you know, we, we feel pretty confident in our abilities, especially racing within North America. Um, you know, Chad obviously, you know, had a great race out in Oregon, you know, a couple months before. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I think this race was for us to kind of, you know, kind of push our limits a little bit and, you know, definitely push this back. And, uh, you know, to be able to finish that full course, um, you know, even though it took us longer than we expected, I think we were pretty proud of ourselves and, you know, we, um, you know, we're, we're definitely still hurting, you know, 10 days later or how many ever days later after the race has ended. But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where there's lots of opportunity for us to, to kind of give up and just kind of go, oh, you know what, let's take more of a short course option. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, even though we kind of dodged around that, we really yeah. never kind of considered quitting, and I think you know we we're pretty proud that we were able to to finish you know what we thought was a pretty tough race. And you know, part of us thinks that maybe one of the reasons why there was only nine teams is because you know there were a number of teams that considered it, but you know they weren't up for seven hundred kilometers and you know five to seven days of racing. So yeah. you know, uh, you know, considering our experience is a little bit more limited to. You know, the shorter races, um, you know, for most of us, our longest race was, you know, Wyoming for us, you know, I think it was 130 hours and, you know, Chad was something similar to that, but he was more full course. And then for Vince, I mean, it was untamed last year and, you know, it was under a hundred hours. So, um, you know, that's, that's a big difference when you start getting up to 153. Yeah. Um, I guess this probably isn't a fair question for you because you're air quotes retired, but, um, (laughs) 
Do you think finishing a race like that makes a big difference next time you race? Do you do you feel like when your body recovers, it's going to be stronger? I mean, you know, cyclists always talk about once you finish the tour, you're just you're just a better cyclist. Do you think that that works in adventure racing? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do. I mean, I think that's the thing about adventure racing. I mean, every race is so much different. Like even, you know, Nordic, you know, Island, last year's race was completely different than this race. Yeah. And, you know, I think about the races, you know, untamed, the last two that I've done, how different I thought, you know, <laughs> yeah. the one I've done, you know, my one for last year's. So it's, you know, the, the one thing that I know I came out personally is that seven days is a long time and it's, it's taxing on the body. And, you know, I, I think maybe for me, I, I like the idea of the three to four to five, I think just, you know, for, for everything, you know, for, for, for your own sanity, for your own personal, like, I mean, we're all busy. We all have full-time jobs and, you know, we've got to get back to reality and work, you know, after you finish. And, you know, even though seven days, people might say, well, it's only two days more, you know, that 48 hours that you yeah. have there. That's you know, big. And uh, I think I think what it does is it makes the the shorter races just seem that much more doable. And you know, it's like you know, wilderness traverse in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you're going at a faster pace, and you know, there's a lot more transitions in shorter times. But you know, the thought of doing a 20 24 hour race compared to 150 yeah. hour race, it's kind of like sign me up, right? Yeah, so, whatever. <laughs> Uh, can, yeah. we, can I do it twice? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, a couple more questions, and then I'll let you go because you know you only got what fifteen weeks of free time left. <laughs> so, um, what? Not what? Where would be a place for a race that would you would could maybe get you out of retirement three years from now? So some races should like, oh yeah, I'll go, I'll go there. Did you did you hear Alicia laughing in the background? <laughs> uh, going away. Um, I would say, I mean, I've always wanted to do like a good zone, like New Zealand. Yeah, I think New Zealand is kind of like the pinnacle of adventure racing, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, I think that has a lot of appeal. I mean, I was I lucky enough to be in Australia a couple of years ago. You know, our, our race was shortened, unfortunately, due to injury. But, uh, I mean, that was a beautiful area. But, I mean, I think, you know, New Zealand would, would, would definitely be of interest. And I've heard so many good things about uh, Expedition Africa. You know, Dave Hitchin, who's a longtime uh, Canadian venture racer, yeah. he's been back there a couple of times. And uh, he speaks very highly of the organization. So, I mean, that's, that's yeah. definitely one that, you know, it's just – it would be a different kind of race for me. And, yeah. you know, even races like um, – uh, Croatia has a um, kind of a new um, expedition race where you know the, yeah. the gentleman who runs that he actually talked about shorter legs and you know three to four days you know and I, and I thought Croatia is also a, you know a place that is of interest to me so you know things like that where it's just yeah. a little bit different and you know and I like supporting the local North American races as well and you know Grant and Mark and uh, you know, obviously the band crew, they do a great job. And I love to see one, you know, come to Ontario or to Canada at some point. Yeah. I know there was one on the East Coast a couple of years ago. And, you know, if there was ever rumors of one coming back to Canada, you know, whether I'd be, you know, volunteering to support or race it, um, I think that would, you know, definitely you know, give yeah. me some consideration. So. All right. So what I'm hearing is if 
Grant would do Untamed next year, you'd show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fairly close for you, so it's a little easier, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Okay. Um, this, I mean, you're familiar with my last question, which never is, but this might be. So it's a two-part question. So what's the best and the worst um, suggestions you've got so far about becoming a father? Oh, geez. Um, well, my, my, my boss told me uh, not too recently that he says, no matter how difficult you think it's going to be, he goes, it's going to be the toughest thing that you're ever going to do. Because no matter how ready you think it's, you're, you're going to be, he said, it's, it's going to be way tougher than you expected. Yeah. So, you know, as much as I think to myself, jeez, oh, I just did a 153-hour yeah. race, one, six hours of sleep, ah, I got this. I know I'm in for, you know, quite the challenge. So, um, you know, that kind of made me laugh. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that always makes me laugh is a couple of years ago, one of my good friends, uh, also an adventure racer, Steve Walker, he, um, uh, his, his wife took part of the maternity leave and then he took the, uh, the second part and he went out and bought like a, I don't know what gaming console it was, but it was like an Xbox 360 or something like that. He bought like 10 games and he was telling all of us, you know, <laughs> I can't wait to have this time to myself. And so months later after he was home alone with the kids, I said, Oh, how was, how was your, you know, daddy daycare? He goes, that was the toughest thing I've ever had to do. I said, how's the Xbox? He goes, it didn't even, I didn't even remove the plastic from it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think it's one of those things. It's, it's a lot more work than, you know, most people who don't have kids kind of expect. Yeah. So I think I'm ready for it. Yeah. Well, you can always say, well, I'm not on, I'm not in a mountain in the middle of nowhere, freezing in an adventure race. How bad could it be? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, well, I'm, I do want to say thank you. Um, so, like, the last three people I had scheduled to be on bailed on me. So I've been kind of like, I'm a little tired of this. And then I get to talk to somebody fun like you, and I'm all excited. So. Well, it, it's always great to talk to you, Randy. I really appreciate all the effort that you put into the podcast. And I know a lot of people listen to them. My cousin Kevin, he's uh, he's turned into one of your super fans, too. Cool. So, uh, I think he sent you a link the other day. But, you know, Kevin's never never done an adventure race, but I think you know these uh, podcasts and, and discussions kind of motivate him. So it'd be fun to, to see him out there doing one of these as well. Uh, oh, sure. So I'm going to get blamed for somebody else getting becoming this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's a good that's a good blame. Okay, I'll take it. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, thank you, Randy. Appreciate all your hard work and support. All right. Well, um, start resting up, right? Yeah, I got it. And I'm sure, you know, if I'll, I'll see you out there volunteering at some point. Yeah, know. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see uh, how soon it is. So <laughs> maybe maybe we should uh, start a lottery. We'll, <laughs> yeah, when will, exactly. yeah, when will Chris be back to racing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. All right. great. Well, thanks, Randy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks very much for the chat, and uh, congratulations. I, I think that's what I told – well, I think I told Chad this, that uh, – as far as I'm concerned, you guys had a win out there. Yeah, well, thank you, Randy. Appreciate it. Have fun in Sturgis this weekend. I'm going to. Thanks. All right, and have fun in Iceland. That too. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.
baby shark baby shark baby shark baby Bye.